if you didn't have a chance to, if you weren't here last week, I would urge you to go online and, and take a listen. Um, it's probably the best teaching I've ever felt. Um, and that sounds strange, but it was certainly something that I felt particularly inspired. Uh, and I, I believe it was a seminal point in our church life. Um, you know, families have iniquities. Those are those things, those inner bents that because you were around something your entire life and because it was the wind blowing in your life, it's just how you respond, it's how you react. And, and so many of our strongholds come from those things. And you know, uh, Joe and I were reminded this morning that a stronghold is a, is a house of thoughts. And, and when you face something, your reaction is automatic. That's, a, that's what a that is when, you, when your thoughts your strongholds say when you face this react this way and anger can be that um, different addictions can be that oh I'm under stress so I, this is how I react how I respond to it and uh, I, I'm going to say something here that I have never said in my 43 years of ministry church families can have iniquities They're, they're um, not something that somebody sits down and says, let's think this way or let's be this way. But, but over time, they develop. And it can be a mindset. And I felt last week was crucial for individuals within our church family to recognize, oh, here's some things in my life that I need to address. And I don't have to be this way forever. It's not inevitable. Well, it's also true in church families. We get mindsets. I'm going to address some of them right now. Well, we're a small church. We don't have much money. We don't have much influence. I wonder if we have God's favor. Those or become mindsets, ways of thinking that can really hamper what God wants to do in us and through us. I shared very personally last week. I, I hope you didn't take that lightly. And I want to start this morning sharing something very personal not that you would hold it against me, but that you would use our willingness to be vulnerable about our lives, to be willing to at least take a glimpse into your own. Is that fair? Yeah. And I shared with you my struggles, uh, the, the challenges that I've had, being abandoned as a baby, not finding out I was adopted, where I really understood until I was 18, right after my dad died feeling that sense of abandonment and rejection from mother or mother and then being deceived by my adoptive parents and not, frankly I would have held against my dad but he died so you can't take on a saint you know what I'm saying yeah. 
and I grew up in a home where we were always a, a little short. And I shared with you how I, I was, I, I didn't want to be poor. That was an inner vow with me. I don't want to lack money. But yet, I want people to like me, and generous people are liked. So hear me, I was generous to people, but miserly with God. Is that okay? I was miserly with God. And we're in a series that I've called Life Changers. One week to go. Aren't you grateful? Giving was something I knew I needed to do. I knew Jesus talked about money more than a whole lot of other things. But I used to say, well, you know, I can tithe my time. After all, I give the church all of my time and an additional 10%. Hmm. And Joe and I had the opportunity to sit in a conference in Houston, Texas, and Pastor Robert Morris got up and he said, I want to talk to you about put God first. And it was a congregation of ministers to which he was speaking. And when he read his text, I thought, he's going to do a tithing sermon to a room full of pastors. But I want to tell you that that encounter that Jill and I had with about 3,000 others changed our lives. Because it put things in the right perspective for us in a way that I should have known, I should have, I can read the Bible, I should have seen it, I just didn't. And if you want to get right to the end of it, the whole thing that we came to understand it was not about percentage, it was about priority. It was about priority. So I've titled today's teaching, Put God First. Put God First. It sounds kind of like Pastor Chris's three-week series, doesn't it? Well, you know how you put God first? You put your money where your mouth is. Now, let me tell you why. And this was a teaching that changed our lives, and I'm going to share a little bit, and then I'm going to tell one personal story, and I don't want to be judged over it. It's a great story, and it's one that I hope you'll connect. So number one, I know I can see the screen and the fill-ins, but for some reason you can't. Isn't that great? God cannot act outside of his character. God cannot act outside of his character. Whatever he is, he is. If he's honest, he's always going to be honest. If he is the embodiment and definition of truth, he's always going to be true. If he is faithful, he's always going to be faithful. If he's loving, he's always going to be loving. And you're going to say, oh, but we, please don't do that other one. But if he's just, he's always going to be just. just. Oh, I liked all of those until that one. Ow. <laughs> God cannot act outside of his character. Mm -hmm. A, he can't change. 
He cannot change. He's immutable. Aren't you grateful that you don't have a God that you serve and worship and have invited to your heart that changes his mind all the time? Well, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. That's why, I, and we've pastored a long time, and, and please, if you've come up and said this to us, please don't, don't, whatever. But, but I can see faces. Pastor, the Lord told me that I'm supposed to do this. Well, why don't you come follow me for a day? Okay, I'll do that. Yeah, that'll be the first step. I'll come and follow you for a day at lunch. Well, where do we go for lunch? Well, we don't leave for lunch. It's a school. We stick around. Okay, well, I'll go to lunch. I'll be back. Never back again. Well, I thought the Lord told you on Sunday you were so okay. And two weeks later, Pastor, the Lord spoke to me and told me to do this. All right. Hmm? It's like God has this. Lord put a call on my life when I came out of a swimming pool. And I've had people ask me, how long are you going to do this? I don't know. It's how I'm wired. But your age says you ought to step aside. Yeah, I ought to. God does not change. The big words, he's immutable. He's immutable. Um, would you agree with point B? He doesn't think like man thinks. He doesn't think like man thinks. He, what's neat is he, he never gets a, oh, I just thought of that either. <laughs> Isaiah 58, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So with that in mind, because God can't act outside of his character, and he can't change, and he doesn't think, God is first. I'm on letter C. God is first. He's preeminent. He can't ever be in second place. If you didn't catch anything else from Chris's three-week teaching, that's the one thing you should take away from it. He can never be second. How do I know that? Exodus 20. You must not have any other God but me. That's kind of clear. Which leads to letter D. I already teed it up for you. God cannot accept being second. God cannot accept being second. Now listen to this verse while you're filling in second. In Exodus 13, the Lord said to Moses, Dedicate to me... Every firstborn among the Israelites. Now, let's understand when he was saying this. They've just had 430 years of captivity in Egypt. They've just had 10 plagues. Some of them they experienced, some of them, most of them they observed. They've just had the plague of the firstborn. They've just experienced the first Passover. They've just sacrificed the first spotless lamb. They've just taken the blood and put it on the door and the post of their home. And the death angel came, and all the firstborns 
were killed except theirs. And the Lord says, right after all of that happens, and he's telling them, pack your bags, we're leaving, we're going tonight, don't put yeast in your stuff, just go. Oh, and by the way, on your way out, ask your neighbors for their riches. <laughs> Get the keys to their Escalade. Right after, so please understand the context. Right after all that, the Lord says to Moses, dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. Dedicate. Now, when we hear the word dedicate, what do we think of? Well, we think of when I get a little baby and I stand up here and the baby cries, I hand it back to mom. And we all sit here and say, you know, isn't it neat that this family, you promised to raise this? And we all do that. And Dale fills out a form and I sign it and, and everybody walks out and feels better. Yeah. But there is a spiritual principle yes. that that ceremony really invokes. And that's dedicated means it is set apart unto God's service. The dedicated vessels in the Tabernacle or in the temple were things that were set apart for a specific purpose. And God says, the firstborn of humans and of animals belongs to meat. That's what it says in Exodus 13. This is what you must do when the Lord fulfills the promise, which is going to happen in about an hour. He swore to you and to your ancestors, when he gives you the land where the Canaanites now live, you must present all firstborn sons and firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. One version says, they are mine. I have a grandson that's two. He and God are very similar. <laughs> because they both can say, mine. <laughs> They are mine. Now listen, listen to this, because there's a great principle here. A firstborn donkey may be bought back. And bought back is a little word for a spiritual word, redeemed. May be bought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or a young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. Okay, God's setting a distinction. The firstborn are mine. And if it's an animal, you can sacrifice it or you can buy it back. And I'll make the distinction here in just a minute. But he did say this. If they're human, you've got to buy them back. Why is that significant? We look at it and think, well, well of course. Well, what was one of the gods of that age was Moloch. And what do people do? They sacrifice their infants to the God to appease the God of Moloch. If you've ever seen renderings of, of what history describes as the, the idols that were built, some of the Moloch had, had hands and they would put they were made of brass and they would build a fire inside of it and they would put those infants in those hands and those babies would scream until they were scalded to death. Others would be put directly into the fire. God says, you're never to do that with my creation. 
You have to buy them back. So here's the principle, number two. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. <clears throat> now I'm going to give you a distinction. The clean, which is the lamb, must be sacrificed. That's what we just read. The clean must be sacrificed. The unclean, which in this illustration was the donkey, must be redeemed. Do you see it? Now let's make a distinction. How do we know what's clean and what's unclean? Well, in Leviticus it says, you may eat any animal that has a completely split hoof and choose the cut. Those two things makes it clean. With me? You may not, however, eat the following animals that have split hooves or that chew the cud, but not both. The camel chews the cud, qualifies, but doesn't have split hooves. Oh, ceremoniously unclean. Gotta buy it back. The rock badger chews the cud, but doesn't have split hooves, so it's unclean. The hare chews the cud, but does not have split hooves, so it's unclean. The pig has evenly split hooves, but not chew, does not chew the cud, so it's unclean. You may not eat the meat of these animals or touch their carcasses. They are unclean to you. What do we do with the unclean? They must be redeemed. How are they redeemed? With sacrificing the clean. So if I have a donkey, and it's the firstborn donkey, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to give it to God. God says, no, you can keep the donkey, but you must redeem it. What do I redeem it with? Something that's clean. What's clean? A lamb. Does anybody see where I'm going here? You're already at the end. So here's the principle. The clean must be sacrificed so the unclean can be redeemed. And that ought to get a hallelujah. The clean must be sacrificed so the unclean can be redeemed. You see, here's the principle. It takes faith, that's B if you're filling in, it takes faith to give the first, believing there's going to be others. So point one, it's not the percentage, it's faith that activates the blessing. It's faith that activates the blessing. Now, let's talk about a first. Are you ready for this one? Anybody heard of Jericho? Oh, yeah. It was the first city that the Israelites were going to capture when they came into the promised land. You know the story, seven laps and the whole thing, and the walls came tumbling down. Right? You ever heard that story? What did God say about that? Well, in Joshua 6, it says, Don't take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. In other words, this is the first city. You don't own it. Every other city, take what you want. But the first one is mine. 
You remember what happened when they went out? If you don't know your Bible history, the next town they went after is Ai, a little town that the, the spies came back and said, "Don't send the whole people, just two or three thousand." And they got <laughs> they, they got annihilated. And it's so interesting if you read the prayer uh, of Joshua, man of faith. Oh, I wish we'd have stayed in. Okay, where have we heard that before. <laughs> You see, because Joshua 7 says Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of the dedicated things, so the Lord was angry with Israelites. Hmm, the behavior of one affected everybody. So at the end of this prayer, this is in Joshua 7, 9, after he's tired of hearing the recording that he's heard for about 45 years. God says to Joshua, get up while you're lying on your face. Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They've stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but lied about it. And hidden the things among their own belongings. That's why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. Jericho was the first city. It was God's. Jesus is called the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus was God's first seed. You ever thought about that? Jesus was God's tithe. Think about it. Now, what, what was the principle that we just said here? The clean must be sacrificed so the unclean can be redeemed. Romans 5 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So here's the key. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Number three, the first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. In Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Then look what it says. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Do you see the principle? Honor the Lord. How do you honor? Bring your first fruits. What's the benefit? Everything else will be blessed. Everything else will be blessed. In Exodus 23, it says, As you harvest your crops, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. In Exodus 23, where the, uh, the, the instructions for uh, the Festival of Weeks, which you guys, uh, our church would know as Pentecost, because we learned that Shabbat and Pentecost and Weeks are all the same celebration. It says, celebrate the Festival of Harvest when you bring me the first crops of your harvest. Now, I think there's an A there, and it should say something like this. You bring the first fruits, you don't give them. Why do you bring them? 
because they're not yours to give away. They are mine. Because you can't be, you cannot give what you do not own. Now the verse that everybody hates, and it's, but it's true, Malachi 3, should people cheat God? Yet you've cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? And he says, you have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. So now I'm going to say something that sounds harsh, but this is probably the most loving statement I can say to you, friends. You either bring it or you steal it. You either bring it or you steal it. Which leads to point three. The tithe must be first. Leviticus 27 says, One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain of the fields or fruit of the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. Now, in light of this, can we go back and look at a story, yes, granted it was pre-law, but God's principles, we just have greater revelation of his principles, they don't change. Does this help you understand the issue with Cain and Abel? Genesis 4, Eve gave birth to Cain's brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. I imagine he got them all in, looked over there and said, well, you know, those tomatoes, they're the odd ones. I'll have a hard time selling those. So that's what I'll offer him. You know, that lettuce... The edges are brown. Oh, and those carrots, they really didn't fully develop. And, and those potatoes are odd. So let's, there, that's 10%. Let's make that my offering to the Lord. Abel brought a gift, the best portions, the best portions, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. You see, God had already instructed them, here's what you need to do. It's the first and it's the best. Now, we don't have anywhere in the Bible says that God said, let's have church. And he sat down with the first few people and said, here's the principle. But it's obvious that he can't expect something of them that they do not know. And we know what happened. It says the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. It doesn't mean that God likes meat and is not into vegetables. <laughs> Abel's gift reflected his understanding that God is first and best. And as a result, his gift was accepted. Cain got the percentage right but not the priority. Mm -hmm. 
You know what this led to? Jealousy and murder. Now, tithe is giving from the increase. You have to have increase to tithe. That makes sense? Yes. If you didn't make anything last week, 10% of that is still nothing. Deuteronomy 14 says you must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. And fear doesn't mean to cower down and all of that. It means to stand in awe or in reverence of, to be aware of, to respect and honor. So the tithe is given first. Now, I'm going to stop right here. This is a little tidbit. I try to always go online. The first thing I do in a month, or when we get paid, never know exactly what day that's going to fall, but whenever it happens, I try to do that first. Now, if Jill goes to the grocery store and uses the ATM card and buys groceries, I'm not freaking out. But, oh, she... She bought groceries 20 minutes before I hit the click button on giving to the rivers. That's not what I'm saying. Because certainly the Lord knows my heart. But my heart is to always make sure I do that first, not wait to, let's see at the end of the month if we have anything left. Oh, look, the tithe is left. We can give it. The tithe is given first. Why? Because it's God's. Remember, it's not the percent. It's the priority. It's God's. And think about it for a minute. Which would you prefer? To have 100% of your unredeemed money? Or 90% of your redeemed money? You remember the Fram oil filter commercial? It was they ran them for a while, and then they brought them back. And it was the car mechanic, and he's holding a Fram filter, and it says about four dollars. And he said, "You can pay me now, or pay me later with a twenty-three hundred dollar car repair." God is not the Fram oil commercial. It's not like he's sitting there saying, "Oh, you didn't give. I'm going to make your refrigerator go out." <laughs> But now let me tell you a story. We all know I've had a glorious career in ministry. Pretty much every church has asked me to leave. Not true. Not true. But it's always been a hard thing. We've, we've only, we've, we've done this three churches, but other than that, we've pastored three churches in 43 years. We stay a long time. We just do. And uh, it was about 10 years ago that uh, we left our last full-time assignment. And I had nowhere to go. And the first Sunday that I was free... The church in Paradise, where we had served in a year transition, 
said, oh, you're free. Come and speak. We'd love to have you. And now I'm going to confess. Are you ready? So we drove to paradise. We sat right here. The pastor that we installed, Jill and Mark. It was the first Sunday that I had no paycheck, and she gets paid once a month. So it was giving Sunday. And in my pocket was a check. Driving up, we both knew it was that Sunday. And I couldn't figure out how we were going to make it. Because over the last three years, our income had dropped $75,000 a year. And we just finished writing $2,000 a month checks to college for our youngest. Notice I say we weren't taking out a loan. We were writing $2,000 a month checks. I worked three jobs, which reduced to two which reduced to one, which reduced the salary at the one, which reduced the salary to the one to, oh, zero. And it was that Sunday, and we have, as you know, we have a ministry called Stone Creek, which we've kind of put on hold while we've been here with you. And I said to her in the car, knowing what she would say, but I'm just gonna tell you, I'm telling you what, this is Confession Sunday. I leaned to Jill and said, do you think it'd be okay if we tithe to our ministry? <laughs> it's a 501c3. I mean, it's, it's, it's licensed with Foursquare just like this church. And I knew what she was going to say, but I was hoping I could slip one by her <laughs> during that 100-mile drive from our house to Paradise. How do I know it was 100 miles? Because we'd done it for a year. Me, twice a week. She said no. So now we're in worship. And I'm standing here and I'm steamed. Because I'm telling God how unfair it is. And she's worshiping and the pastor's worshiping and Rich is leading with his sons and they were having a wonderful time. And, going, and then the pastor gets up and says, now it's, it's time. I'm, I'm just, you, with me, you get it all. It's time to receive the Lord's tithe and offering. And they're playing something. And here comes the basket. And I reach in my pocket. And it was with great reluctance and trepidation that I took that check. And in my calculations would make the difference of if we would make it this month or not. And I put it in the basket and then the pastor said we're so delighted to have Mark and Jill back with us don't we love them because we've been there for a year and, um, and so they welcomed me and I got up bitter and angry to preach and I'm going to tell you what I thought once they find out that we get paid once a month, they're going to invite us the first Sunday every month. <laughs> the 
That's what I thought. And this church won't give us a love offering when we're done today. They'll give us a like offering. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, is this okay? Yeah. I'm just telling you how I felt. And in fact, I thought it may be a leave offering. <laughs> and somehow I repented quickly and I preached. And I don't even remember what I talked about, nor does it matter, frankly. And, and, uh, Service ended, and the pastor said, come over to the house for dinner. And so well, we have our friends with us, and, and that's fine, bring them. And so we went over, and we, we had a wonderful time, and, and we were getting ready, and I was taking some stuff out to our car, and, and Rich, who was the church administrator, came up and, and said, Pastor Mark, you know, you know we love you guys. I, I, you know, I hate those opening lines. We know you love them. And he has a little envelope. Um, said, wish it could be more. And, and internally I said, so do I. <laughs> and I began to think, I wonder how much they netted off of us coming. I'm just letting you know, your pastor has feet of clay. And, and clay may be up to my knees. <laughs> and I wanted to open it and look. But I thought it would make the end of the day bitter. So I gave it to her. Put it in your purse. We're driving home. We get to this town called Marysville. You ever heard of it? Yeah, yeah well, we always, uh, when we were pastoring in Paradise, there was a Starbucks, which has since moved across the intersection. But we always <laughs> stopped there on the way because our age our bladder said it's time to stop, and then, oh, we might as well get another coffee. <laughs> and so coming home that Sunday, um, one of our friends said, hey, do you mind if we stop at the new Starbucks, the one there at the Y? And we did, and we went in, and, and the husband of our friends held us back, held me back, and said, Pastor Mark, we've been, been praying, and the Lord challenged us to support your ministry here. And he handed me a, a card. <laughs> and I wanted to open it, but I gave it to her. I don't check the mail regularly. When we got home, I did. What's this envelope? Somebody sent us this. We opened all three. Every bit of shortfall that I had projected we were going to have at 10 o'clock when I was putting that out had come back from sources that we did not expect. And God met our need. We pastored Penn Valley for two years under that same principle. We're going to put God first. We're going to put God first. We're going to put God first. And every year, I, I don't say this is bragging on God now. Every year, our giving went up and up and up. And that 2006 Tahoe still runs. And the air conditioner on our house 
which was much too small for the size of the house. It's typical way builders do. They either give you a cheap big one or a cheap little one, and this was a cheap little one. And for two years, it was going out, and I'd go out and pray over it and say, God, you got to keep it going, and I can't anoint it with oil, but at least spray off the coils to keep it going. And the, the air conditioning techs would come out and say, you know, technically, that machine's not working. I said, well, technically, it's not working, but you go in the house, and it's cool. a really needed survival method for the O'Connells because we couldn't look at any guaranteed anything. So we had to trust God and the way we trusted God was by put him first in our finances. We said we're going to trust you to redeem what's left. Again, it's not a glory be to me. That's not the point of the story. Why do we want to give what's first? Because God gave his best first. It's your last fill in there. Jesus, the clean firstborn, was sacrificed so the unclean, there's a line, right? Mine says, so the unclean Mark O'Connell could be redeemed. Don't put Mark O'Connell. <laughs> you can put Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. When we heard this and when we understood it, suddenly it changed this grudging thing of, oh, here's God reaching for our wallet again. So no, he's, he has principles. He can't change. He wants to be first. He set things apart. The firstborn belongs to him. The first fruits belong to him. Here you go. What we can redeem, we'll redeem. And what we can sacrifice, we'll sacrifice. The clean must be sacrificed so the unclean can be redeemed. What do I do now? Well, you'll say, because here's what somebody can say. Well, you know what, Pastor, I'm years old and I've really struggled just like you struggled and it's, I can't go back and make up all of those years or decades when that wasn't a priority well you know what in in second chronicles the same people of Israel now several generations later they had forgotten what had happened back in Exodus but they're instructed, and look what happened. It says, when the people of Israel heard these requirements, they responded generously by bringing their first share of the grain, new wine, olive, olive oil, honey, and all the produce of the fields. They brought a large quantity, a tithe of all they produced. The people who had moved to Judah from Israel, the people from Judah themselves, brought in the tithes of their cattle, sheep, goats, a tithe of things that had been dedicated to the Lord their God. Today's the day you can start. Today's the day you can start. Why do you want to do that? Because you want to leave a legacy. In the future, your children will ask you, what does this mean? Then you will tell them. 
with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought the O'Connell family out of bondage, the place of slavery. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing Exodus 13, if you're, if you're wondering where I'm getting this. Satan stubbornly refused to let us go. <laughs> but the Lord offered his firstborn so that we might be redeemed. That is why we sacrifice the first fruits as a reminder of the power of the Lord's mighty hand that brought us out of captivity. That's the best I can do. It's the best that I can do. My prayer is that you understand This is not about the church finances. This is not about the pastor's salary. I don't have one. But it is about you walking in the blessing and grace and protection and provision of God. And as your pastors, that's the thing that we want for you. And we learned the lesson the hard way. Many times. So Jesus, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the power of your redeeming son. <clears throat> thank you that you care so much about us that, that you want to redeem even our finances. And in doing that, you remind us that you're first, that you're first. So Lord, help us in all that we do and all that we say to put you first, to bring honor and glory to your name. We'll thank you for it. Amen and amen. Stand up, hug everybody, say I'm sure glad he's done with that. We'll never have to hear him preach that again for another year. <laughs> we love you guys. Have a great, great week.